Our Lakeshore campaign features content that some viewers may find uncomfortable, including gun violence, drug use, and sexuality. For more detailed information, including full content warnings and transcripts, check out the show notes or our website, therealmscast.com. Previously on Lakeshore. On the way back into the city, Knox is visited by his patron Laxies, who gives him his final command. If he can kill Rex Lemaire in three days, he will be granted freedom and his soul. Kitty and Roman head to the last hurrah to figure out how to restore her powers. When Charlie mentions the need for a magical amplifier, they hatch a plan to score some crystals from the mysterious factory in the North End. Meanwhile, Susan and Knox set out in search of Hazel, who hasn't been seen since the fight with Malarax. They find her in a drunken stupor at the Hummingbird, reeling from the intense physical and emotional experience of regaining her soul. Coaxing her back to Roman's house, the gang unites and plans their next move. Hi, I'm Jillian. I play Susan the Hunter. It's good to be here. Hi, I'm Jory. I play Kitty the Aware. And it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Eli. I play Roman the Fate, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Jordan. I play Knox the Tainted, and it is good to be here. Hi, I'm Susan Stalling. I'm very British, and I'm here to drive my lorry to the chip stand. <laughs> Just kidding, it's Jesse. Welcome to Many Realms. spoke to all of you, you said you wanted to head to yon spooky, mysterious site in the north end of Lakeshore and acquire yourself some uh, plot crystals. Is that correct? Give me them plot crystals. So what is what is the plan for this? Okay, well, we've had some new additions to the party, so I would like to acquire better weapons for our new normies. So if Calvin's free... I'm happy to hit him up for some weapons. You would probably be hitting the streets. Six. Six total? Yup. Okay. Simon, you get dressed up and you ride your motorbike over to Calvin's garage, only to find it shuttered. The door closed, uh, a sign hanging in the window saying, be back later. The sign has a layer of dust on it. Damn, okay. That feeling when you roll so badly, you close a local business. Simon has ruined a local <laughs> business, but also, um, you know, I think that kind of reinforces the sense in Lakeshore of of panic, of battening down hatches, of a lot of the magical denizens of the city anticipating but failing to articulate the precise nature of the storm that they can all feel is about to blow over their city. Um, so it's maybe disappointing, but perhaps not surprising to see this werewolf garage closed down for the time being. I guess I can try to persuade Jim to give me more stuff. Like fucking Santa Claus. Yeah, well. Uh, Would you like to roll to hit the streets to go try to get weapons from Jim Stevens? I can try. You can try. Is that with Mortality? Jim is a member of the Mortality faction. That's an eight. It's an eight. 
On a seven to nine, choose one. Whoever you're going to is juggling their own problems or whatever you need is more costly than anticipated. Yeah, I mean, as usual, I'm still desperate. I'm still willing to pay or do whatever to get what I want. I think Jim will trade you two standard non-magical pistols for one of your guns. Okay. He has a feeling that a magical gun might come in real fucking handy very soon. I'll give him the big gun. Okay. You give him your uh, big shotgun that you've carried around for years, probably since before you even moved to Lakeshore, I wonder. Yeah, I think it's something I stole from my brother. Dope. That you've used to kill a number of demons. And yeah, with a maybe a bit of pain, you hand it over to Jim and he uh, smiles sadly at you. He knows it's a, it's a hard break, but I mean... He's kind of giving you all the charity he can. He's a businessman, too, and he's also trying to survive in the city, too. So he uh, slides two mundane pistols over the counter to you. And uh, you can see that he's also in the process of starting to, like, take things down from the shelves, start packing things up into boxes. He's also got the fear of God and Mayor Everlyn Graham in him. Uh, So who do you want to give these two guns to? If Hazel has her mundane gun already, then she can keep that and... I guess Kitty and Philip are going to be our new gun-wielding duo, super power couple extraordinaire. Okay, so what are the rest of you guys doing? Roman's goal here is to, like, pick up some sweet, sweet carrot crystals and bring them back to Charlie to give my sister her power back. Also, your camera's magic now or something? Um... Okay, before we go on with this plan, I would like to take a picture with it and see what it does. Of what? Let's say we're in Roman's apartment and my like douchebag vampire saxophone playing roommate left his saxophone out and I hate that saxophone and I take a picture of it. This douchey roommate that you have in your big house plays a saxophone all day and night. I think it's come up a few times in past episodes. This character's remark on how noisy and busy Roman's house always is. And you spy the saxophone leaning against uh, a potted plant in the living room. I guess the morning after your last sort of reunion with everyone. I don't know what time this scene is happening. And you pull out your camera that was returned to you by Susan with an additional note from Jim tucked into the lens cap. You hold the camera up and and peep through the viewfinder at the saxophone, adjust the focus, and you snap a quick pick and you see the film counter tick up from 19 to 20, meaning that there are four shots left in a standard roll of film, okay? Okay. And uh, you like the camera doesn't feel like hot or weird or cold or anything strange, but when you lower it and look down in the living room, the saxophone is gone. That worked out very well for me. <laughs> okay, I'll take a backup roll. I'll let everybody know what I understand this camera does. Let's go blow up Lennox Spire or this mysterious northern building. Okay. I unfortunately have to ask a couple more questions which is like, what time of day are you going? Is this like a daytime walk-in? Is it a nighttime sneak-in? And um, how like physically are you conveying yourselves there? Does Philip know if they're more active there at night or during the day? Philip knows that this is a production facility that is operated by the mayor and her, you know, cronies. He knows that its production is tied to the scope of the exhibition. And so since the exhibition is, I think, like 30 hours away, they are kind of wrapping up, in fact. Like most of the production here should be eased up as per the the schedule that he 
uh, was operating with. So it's likely that it will not be at full capacity at all. And at night, even less so, maybe just like the final kind of inventory count. What Philip doesn't know, unfortunately, is what is being manufactured here. That was on uh, Edward's side of the administrative duties. And he's a little bit too dead to answer that question. But your information, of course, is that crystals are being imported by Rex. They're being shipped here. They're being processed in some way as part of the mayor's plan. Well, if it's a crapshoot on day versus night, then I vote we might as well go at night. And how are you getting there? Car. Kitty's sweet limo. True. Our pickup truck. Pickup truck is kind of funny. <laughs> You'd have to all sit in the back. It'd be pretty great. <laughs> nice. I will drive myself. On your motorbike. Okay. Then it is uh, nighttime, you know, coming up on 12 or maybe 1 a.m. Uh, as you are driving up these sort of like underdeveloped northern roads. This far, this far north of Lakeshore, the city is not so built up, of course. Um, it's a largely industrial area. It's long, straight, unused roads punctuated by warehouses every few kilometers. Even the streetlights are spaced very far apart. And this far out of the city, even a few minutes, I mean, this is, this is only the 19... So industrial development is not as uh, progressive. Like, you can still see the night sky, the stars. Like it's, it's a bit of like a rural feeling almost. You're passing long, unbroken stretches of chain link fence and the occasional vacant lot that might have dirt piled in it or like a, an unused or sleeping crane, stuff like that. As you make your way towards the location, um, Philip has the address well memorized and he's like worked with charts about it and everything like that. And you all are familiar with the general location based on the invoices you've seen. And you find yourself traveling down a long straight road until you reach a facility that's set further back from everything else, even for this kind of area. It is surrounded by a chain link fence on all sides. You drive up to where there's a little guard station and one of those swinging arms that is swung down currently, not allowing cars to go through. Katie, you're in the driver's seat. What do you do? Philip. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, wait, wait. It's like, it's so much worse. He is chalk white. He has cold sweat plastered all across his face. He is like trembling. He's dressed up in like a nice full business suit again because you told him that it might be like a good idea in case you can like bluff any part of the way into this. And he is like, you can see his mustache shaking on his lip. And he turns to <laughs> the... Yes, Katie, darling. Do you think you could... Talk your way past this guy was my plan, but you just gave me that description. Well, I, 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 I suppose I could. It, it's possible he doesn't know uh, if I flash my badge. He might not know my name or recognize it, and and I suppose it's possible. Is it worth a shot, or is it too big a risk? I don't think there's any way of getting in here that doesn't involve some risk. Great, let's do it. Kitty, you ease up to this little security guard booth, a flickering warm orange light plays over the bald head of the very old, very bored man who is sitting in this, you know, two foot by two foot booth, eating a Slim Jim and listening to whatever comes in on the radio this far out of the downtown. And as the car stops, he lazily turns Cranes' old ass neck over to you. And before you can even like speak or smile, Philip has shot his arm out in front of your face, holding the little dinky badge up, trying to just like, look at the badge. Don't look at us, look at the badge. And he says, uh, Philip, you know, I guess with the, with the mayor's office, so everything's all in order. We're just here for our routine inspection. No, no, no need to worry about it. Thank you so much. And it, it seems to work. The guy turns back with, you know, 
DMV sloth at Zootopia slowness <laughs> and pushes a little button on a control. And like the rest of you are hunkered in the flatbed of the pickup truck under some tarp, just like shivering and waiting as like the slow arm winches up. But thankfully, it seems like your idea worked, Kitty, and the truck gets through into the parking lot with uh, with no problems. Susan, you wanted to drive yourself up, which I thought was kind of cool. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to solidify my kind of lone wolf, edgy persona. Still very much in dark season territory. Yes. So I just wanted to show up in style on my own bike. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I also have to get past that obstacle. <laughs> That, based on everything you're telling me, that seems to be the conclusion, yes. I'll probably just threaten him at gunpoint. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is a move that I have. It surely is. It's Dark Susan, baby. She don't waste time. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I can persuade an NPC using my blood stat. Okay. It's an eight. Tell me what happens on this eight. They modify the terms. We've got the leather jacket on. We've got the holy gun out. I'm sensing a dark lip. Yes, like a very dark berry. I love a dark berry on yeah. you. Yeah, and I just follow behind the truck. I point the gun at him and say, me too. <laughs> okay, uh, and that's an eight, so he's going to modify the terms. Again, with tortoise, tortesian slowness, he cranes his neck over to you. He's pretty sure he just left the arm open, but suddenly another person is here. And by the time he turns and registers, the gun barrel is like meeting his face and his eyebrows climb up to the top of his scalp. He wants to modify the terms of letting you in. I wonder if he might like take your keys or something. I already gave away my most precious gun today. You want a lot of stuff today, Susan. I do. I need everything to go my way. <laughs> Roll higher. <laughs> like, I guess. I'm like, if anything happens to this, you're fucking dead. He nods. You, I guess, like, yeah, like, roll the bike over to the other side of the security gate or whatever and, like, leave it on the kickstand or something like that. You jog into the parking lot. This would be the employee parking lot. Of course, sort of around the corner, you can see the silhouettes of uh, transport trucks as like a loading bay. But you jog over to the dusty, dark red pickup that is illuminated under like a lone parking lot spotlight where uh, Philip is pulling a tarp off the pickup bed. And you see uh, Roman, Knox, and Hazel are crouched in the back of the truck. You're all together now. Yeah, you just see Susan walking over without her bike. She hasn't put her gun away yet. And she just looks really pissed off. How are we getting it? Pick a duel, any duel. I choose the back door. Roman, you lead the group uh, circling around the building. As you're circling this building, one thing you're noticing is that the construction methods and the, the style of this building are quite, quite modern. Like, obviously, this is a newer building because it was express built for this purpose. But, you know, the use of concrete, of aluminum are things that are actually relatively new to all of you. You know, familiar with a city that is full of like brick and wood, largely. This building looks like slightly futuristic. To us, it would look like something from like the 60s or 70s. But it is, you know, remarkable, at least, that none of you have really seen a building that's like shaped or built like this. And uh, I mean, it's still a building. It's still got doors. And Roman, as you make your way to the back, you can see there's like only a couple of feet of cracked asphalt um, between the back of the building and the chain link fence. 
Roman, you lead them along until you find what looks like a fire exit. I check to see if it's open. It's open. Let's go. The six of you head inside this uh, factory building and you're at the landing where these stairs, there are stairs that lead further up into the building because this is a fire exit, of course. In front of you are big plastic looking like factory double doors that are just like the saloon style that swing open. Behind them through like the small window panels on each one, you can see what looks like a large interior warehouse space, like a production line. As mentioned, there are stairs on your left that head up into some, you know, upper floor. And on your right, there is a small metal door with a window that looks like it leads into what might be like a break room. My vote is up. Then up we go. Okay. Uh, Up the stairs, there is uh, another landing on the second floor, and you can see a metal door with no window and a sign that says management only. I take a picture of the door. Okay. (laughs) Ha ha! Roman, you impress or shock or surprise everyone as you whip out your camera, take the lens cap off, and uh, take a photograph of this door. And uh, yeah, to everyone's because I don't think you told anyone that you could do this. No, I didn't. So the the door just suddenly vanishes quite conveniently. Behind it, you can see that this is like a um, an office where one wall is a row of windows. It's a supervisor's office to overlook the production facility. There is a large countertop that is bristling with all kinds of like equipment and controls, sensors, things like that. There looks to be a work table in the corner. And uh, at the work table is a woman sitting in a large metal wheelchair. She turns over when she hears the noise of you entering the room. It is, of course, Angela Whitcomb, who for those playing along at home may remember as the woman who uh, was hired to build the Ark, who Gregory and Delilah, uh, Susan and Knox's uh, alter, alter egos came to meet way back in episode six or seven. Yeah, so you're all just going to bust in there. She turns and she uh, withdraws a gun from inside her lab coat and she points it at all of you um, and she says, that's close enough. I think you're a little bit outgunned. Delilah, how nice to see you again. Always a pleasure, Angela. Yeah, I level my gun at her too. Knox, you're pulling a gun as well? Yeah, we'll get a showdown here. Okay, there's literally six of you. She's she's no fool. She stashes the gun in her uh, lab coat and she crosses her arms over her chest and scowls at all of you. And she says, can I have one fucking day of peace without you people bursting in to ruin it? Is that so much to ask for? I'm going to make her not stow her gun in her jacket and instead, like, throw it to us. She says, I'm not much of a good throw. She reaches in and she, you know, she's awkwardly sitting in a chair and she kind of like crappily launches it and it skitters into the far corner of the room on the opposite end. Uh, I'll get that and get plus one gun. What are, you, what are you doing here? What's your goal? What's your intention? We should take advantage, obviously, of the windows to figure out where, if there are crystals that we can see, so we know where to go get them. Susan, you step over to the window and you look out over a uh, production line. Um, in fact, yeah, in this room, there is, yeah, what looks to be a sort of assembly line. There are what look to be like three regular mortals working this assembly line. Uh, one of them is driving in like a like a forklift-like device that has these stacked crates and um, taking time to pry them open, dump out crystals onto this conveyor belt that is flowing through the room. Another human later on down the line is inspecting them, casting aside ones that don't fit whatever their specifications are. 
all of these employees are wearing to you in the modern day what look like hazmat suits like full covering uh, of white heavy cloth so one of them is loading crystals on one of them is inspecting them after they're inspected they pass through a machine and you can hear the sounds of whirring and maybe jets of what look like hot water and steam rushing out and the crystals come out the other side looking cut polished size they're all uniform they pass through uh, a slatted opening into the next room angela i have to ask is this crystal thing your design actually no huh i have to ask what you are hoping to accomplish by coming here oh we've heard that these crystals and you know linux spires the big new thing so we thought we'd come check out the construction make sure it's all up to snuff Oh, you'll find no uh, cut corners in my operation. Weren't you the lady at the poker table? Yes, hi, nice to see you again. Her eyes flutter over to Roman and she closes them for a moment and you can see her eyes fluttering behind her lids and then she says, Waitress, Christ's sake. Didn't know I was such a good waitress. You weren't, if I recall. <laughs> so what, you are all some kind of happy-go-lucky gang of desperados? Mm, something like that. That's one word for it. Pick a better one. Junkies? Depends on the day. <laughs> Renegade heroes of the drowned trodden? Look, we're not here to talk titles. Well, you must be here to talk something. You wouldn't have come to bother me. I don't know if we came here to talk, but if, if you're willing, um, we just need a few crates of those crystals, please. Well, <laughs> would it were as easy as all that? I mean, we're supposed to account for each and every crystal we process at this facility. We have really tight inventory lists, Missy. You know, I don't want to be the one sitting there and answering for any missing products. That wouldn't uh, be such a good look for me, unless you're willing to make it worth my while. I think you can appreciate that you're in a pretty bad position here to be uh, bartering, Miss Whitcomb. She nods. She says, you're right. You've got five or six guns led by at least... Two competent shots, uh, a guy whose mustache looks like it's about to fall off. The pianist from the casino? Do you just call like a party line of everyone in town and get them to fuck it up? Yeah. It's awful. It's good to have friends. You should try it. Friends don't pay as well as employers, Delilah, as I'm sure you know. Oh, sure. But it's more fun this way, though. So what do you want crystals for? Oh, that's secret. Oh, oh, secrets. Now we're doing secrets. Yeah, we're the ones with the guns, so we're gonna have the secrets. I think you owe me this much. What? Well, you're gonna come in here with guns, you're gonna tell me what to do. If you were the villains, and aren't, you know, isn't that just a matter of perspective in these troubled times, you would at least owe me a speech about your grand plan or what it is you intend to do before you send Angela the old uh, long goodbye. Well, life isn't a movie, so no, it doesn't have to function that way. She's she's resolved to not aid us in any way, helping getting these crystals, I'm assuming, from the sounds of it. We've asked for crates of crystals. She said, I don't know about that. And then she's tried to engage in more conversation. Yeah, she seems like she's trying to strike a deal. Yeah. Well, I don't want to, what? It's inconsequential. We, if, she, if, she, if she wasn't here, we would have just walked in and taken the stuff. So why does it matter? I didn't even hear you guys open the door. It's just one of our many magic tricks. Maybe you should get your hearing checked. <laughs> oh, that's not nice, say to an older lady. Here's a proposal. You're gonna help us get one of these crates of crystals, and then you're gonna tell everybody to evacuate. And in exchange, not only are we gonna let you live, 
but we are going to make it look like you didn't just hand it over to us. That's a pretty reasonable deal, all things considered. You hear the sound of footsteps coming up the stairs that you recently trod yourself to make your way into this uh, supervisory room, but they don't sound like regular footsteps. There's a certain uh, stickiness to them. Like you can feel each foot, multiple feet, two feet, wait, three feet, four feet. And as you turn and look at where the door once stood, you see uh, a figure entering the room. It is also wearing a full hazmat suit, so it's hard to see exactly what or who it is. Is it on all fours? No, um, but you can see that in the sort of seams between like where its suit leg is tucked into its boot, where its sleeve meets its glove, where the neck meets the collar or the or the part of the headpiece, um, a dark purple black like ooze is kind of always straining and inflating and kind of bubbling and threatening to escape the bonds of of the outfit that this creature is wearing. Like demon blood ooze or like separate? I would say separate. Angela smirks and she says, it's lunchtime. And this figure, when it sees you, charges forward and its gloves fly off and you can see these rippling, bubbling purple fists of this like strange slimy putty-like creature that uh, has come up and is running straight for Hazel. Hazel pulls her gun uh, first and she tries to shoot it. The bullet pierces the hazmat suit and you can see like the thing's whole form ripple like ballistic gel with the force of the bullet launched into it and like little clumps and globs of, of its gooey eye core spurt down the front of the suit. I would want to touch it and freeze it because it's gooey. With Wild Fury? Yeah. Okay, then you are going to do that. You take a corruption move. It's a five. Uh-oh, that's not great. Roman, you push past the group to get uh, a line a line of sight on this uh, horrible goo monster. And you, I think you've used a freezing attack before. We talked about like maybe icicle, knife, dart things. Um, that could be very cool. So you sort of, um, reach into into the source of your magic and your hand is holding these uh, ice cold knives which are like leaving deposits of frost on your fingertips. This thing is, you know, huge. It's about seven or eight feet tall. Um, it had to kind of stoop to get into the doorway of this supervising room, but uh, it's surprisingly nimble, perhaps owing to the fact that its bones are made of nothing, no bones. And it's almost like the, the part of it that you would have hit like liquidizes more, like kind of like moved out of where this uh, this icicle would have hit. And um, as you are kind of leaning into your attack and launching it, this thing takes a surprisingly long, heavy stride towards Roman and belts her across the face uh, with a slimy, disgusting fist. Roman, you feel for a moment your like mouth and nose fill with this gross slime that makes you gag as uh, you fly back into the rest of the group like a fucking falling over bowling pin. Um, you're gonna take two harm from this thing, Slime Slam. Can I shoot it? Oh yeah. It's an eight. Okay, either they're gonna inflict harm on you or you're gonna find yourself in a bad spot. Bad spot's fine. Last time I checked, I was at like three harm. I don't know if it goes away with time, but- Do you think you've recovered a harm? No. I mean, I was doing home repair. <laughs> Regular holy gun? Yeah, that's the only one I have. How much harm does that one deal? It does three harm, but I think I want to inflict terrible harm because I don't know what I would take from it. Okay. 
So it's going to do four harm. Yep. You aim your gun at this creature as it um, connects powerfully with Roman's skull and sends that poor lady just kind of flying a little bit. And you manage to get it in the sort of bulk of its arm that was powering through the attack. And you hear it. It's like a bassy, like gurgly moan. It's like like a opera singer gargling in like a cave is the sound that you hear as you shoot this thing and this uh, this bullet powered with like the radiant force of this gun sends like splatters of this thing against the wall and um, it's still kind of turning into the punch and when it, it screams as you hit it, it just kind of moves its whole body in that turn and starts charging you down and um, it grabs you by the shoulders and it pins you onto the table uh, overlooking this factory floor. Angela is making slowly towards uh, another uh, door on the opposite end of the room. Susan is pinned down by this like large slime monster that is looming over here. What are the rest of you doing? Roman's been like knocked over onto like a table. I think I want to cut Angela off. Okay. Kitty, you step over to the doorway and uh, as Angela wheels over to you, she says, move it, sister. I know you're not bulletproof. I'm sorry, where are you going? I'm going on my federally mandated break. I'm so sorry, I just can't let you pass. What are you gonna do to stop her? I don't want to point my gun at her. I'm just gonna stand in her way for now and be ready to point my gun at her if I have to. Okay, you see her start reaching into her coat pocket for a different pocket than the one the gun was in. What are you doing, Knox? I'll try and try and help my team and shoot this monster with my, my, I think it's my last remaining magical bullet. You're going to shoot this thing with the fire bullet? I think so. Roll to unleash an attack. If you kill me, I swear to God. Why would I kill you? Because it's a giant fireball and she's pinned down. Well, you know what? I got a nine and whatever happens, happens. If you choose, take something from them. Can you take me? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And then uh, you rolled an eight, so they're also either going to inflict harm on you or you're going to find yourself in a bad spot. Uh, It seems more interesting to say find myself in a bad spot. A huge, uh, like a a bullet enwreathed in boiling hot flames shoots out and briefly the room is like, was once, you know, shadowy and kind of like quiet and is now lit with fire and noise at the massive sound of this bullet being fired from this gun. And uh, it hits the blob man clean in the side as he's leaning on the counter over Susan. Susan, you probably like swear as like cascades of sparks and embers uh, shower down on top of you. Maybe you throw a hand up to cover your face as this thing gets uh, launched by the force of this fireball gun into the window that overlooks the, um, the factory floor. If you've ever used one of those sticky hand toys and thrown it at a window nice. on a hot July day, You know that it stays there for a few seconds and then slowly each extremity starts to peel off and unstick. And that's what happens to this thing as Susan rolls off the countertop and gets her footing back as uh, this thing is plastered up against the wall. Knox gets put in a bad spot because of this. I think that when this thing comes down, it takes on a different form. It is no longer as solid as it was. It starts becoming like quite liquidy. I think the heat of the fireball gun is starting to melt it a little bit. And as it unsticks limb by limb off the window, suddenly knocks, you find a strange murky thick pool of liquid slime 
pouring down the console of this room and flowing towards your legs. And soon, before you can even uh, pull your feet away, it's starting to lap at your feet and wrap itself up your legs. Can I pull my fireball gun? Because I also have one. And I'm going to say to Angela, this has the same bullets in it that my friend just shot. I can not shoot you with this. And you can call off your monster. Hey. Bring me some crystals. And as my friend said, tell your people to evacuate and we will do our best to make sure that you don't face any blame. Angela sucks her teeth and stares up at you from beneath her tortoiseshell glasses. I think she's very fed up with all of your guys' total bullshit. Fuck her. I don't know. She's doing what she's doing. I think she's honestly <laughs> about at a not dissimilar morality level from Knox. I kill people for demon money. Uh, last name. She scowls and she says, sorry, sister. There's uh, only one way this ends for me. Either I make the mayor happy or I don't. And she uh, starts rolling up full tilt to you. And she, from within her jacket, produces what looks like sort of like a, a walkie talkie and she starts pressing some buttons on it. You have about a second to react before she just about mows you over, Kitty. What do you do? Shoot her, shoot her. I, I, I shoot her with my regular gun. I'm gonna try and go for her hand. And I do have a move. It is called Expert Marksman. Oh yeah. Awaken your hidden talent. It just means I get to, I get to roll with um, mind instead of blood. And that's a 10. And I want to aim for her hand. I don't want to, sh I'm not shooting to kill. So you pull out your mundane gun and you uh, maybe offer like a, a prayer or a sorry or something. Cause I don't <laughs> think you've shot anyone before. Uh, it's no. always been great to just pull the gun and sort of let that walk away with you, Kitty. But these times they are coming and they are troubled and they are dark. And Kitty Yanakis, you, uh, you know, aim towards the hand and you sort of scrunch your face up and you pull the trigger feeling the the heavy kick the recoil of the pistol in your hand that you weren't really expecting when you made that call and i mean it's a tough fight you did what you had to do but it would i think be a falsehood to say that angela's pain scream doesn't cut straight into your heart when you hear it as her hand becomes mangled and useless the thing that she was holding goes skittering under the table where hazel is picking goo out of Roman's face and out of her nostrils so she can breathe. I think she kind of falls back out of the chair. I think she loses her balance as she sort of like rears back when she gets shot and she ends up on the floor looking all of a sudden far more frail uh, and far more helpless and less of a threat than she seemed when you first walked in the room. Susan, you're off the counter patting embers off your sleeves. Knox, you're making really good friends with a slime dude. Roman, Hazel has helped you up and sort of gotten you cleaned up from your, your nasty wallop. Philip is rushing over to comfort his wife. What's happening? Can I do something? Yeah. Well, I can't move or anything, right? I think if you move, it's going to be a very slow, like you're walking in a dream through like weird, heavy Sam's dream stuff. Like, peanut, like a peanut butter like wall. A, fuck me. It is exactly like a peanut butter wall. I should have known. <laughs> uh, can I allow it to try to start to kind of like take up my myself like how much like what's it look like right now um it's it's getting up to waste if you're not doing anything to actively stop it yeah i'm gonna let it try and like take up as much of my body as it can 
Okay, if you wait a few moments, eventually you are covered in like a cat suit of goo. Okay, then I'm gonna shift and make myself expand and hopefully that, that does some stuff. Yeah, so roll to shift while I consider this physical quandary presented me. Uh, okay, I'm on a seven. So it's just choose one of my things. Uh, I'll just gain plus one armor and because based on what I'm trying to do, I think that makes most sense. I'm trying to like expand myself as mm -hmm. large as, mm -hmm. I, as I can. So I'll take the armor for that for that reason. Okay. Uh, so I think Susan, as you're kind of steadying yourself, heading back towards the group, uh, Roman and Hazel, as you're kind of getting set up and heading towards Knox, who's like covered in the sticky, heavy purple black slime. Suddenly you hear the familiar sounds of him starting to change the bones, the skin, the wings, the horns. Nox, as this thing has fully enveloped you, you change as quickly as you can, but there's still like a moment of accessing that power and, and letting that demonic energy suffuse you. And in that moment when that thing is, you know, covering your whole body and your breath is starting to feel shallow and hot in your mouth, you can also feel like it's almost like a whole body like sunburn as this thing sort of seeps some kind of chemical or substance onto your skin through your clothes. Like it was trying to sort of almost like a Venus flytrap, like dissolve you from the outside. And you gain one armor from the demonic transformation. Uh, I think this thing would have dealt you sort of to harm as it sort of burned through your skin. But as it's starting to, you can feel the plates of chitin sort of like uh, stretch over your limbs, cover your head and your back. And so I think you'll only take one harm because that armor is going to come in where it pokes through the skin, where your spikes come through. This thing gets ripped and shredded like old Play-Doh. It starts flaking off. Eventually, you're sort of puncturing this thing so much, tearing little holes in it, that its structure is starting to weaken. And uh, it's going to start to flake and fall and splat onto the floor all around you. And it sort of, um, it all scurries together into like a little lump the size of maybe like a house cat at most kind of this faceless ditto-like thing that is sitting on the floor, uh, Nox, as you're snarling down on it, having uh, blasted it off of your body. It's cute. <laughs> it's kind of cute now, <laughs> now that it stopped killing all of you. I mean, it's trying to scurry towards the doorway as quick as its little cute legs can. Is the room on fire? Um, there's definitely a small fire at the console. A lot of it hit the glass, so there's like shatters and like huge spiderweb cracks on most of it and a, like a hole directly where the bullet went, but the glass obviously doesn't catch fire. Um, and most of the things in this room are like sturdy, kind of like metal. So uh, luckily you're not like at the hardware, for example. Sure. Yeah, what's the play here? Uh, Angela's on the floor. She is after a moment with her good hand trying to like crawl back towards the other door away from you, Kitty, you assassin. What's going on? It's time to go. We've got to leave. Before we leave, I think I would help Angela back into her chair because it's really undignified to leave someone on the floor like that. So if she'll let me pick her up, I will. Yeah, I think she like shoots daggers at you, but she says nothing. She, You both know what's going on. Yeah, as you, um, as you set her down, she, with her good hand, starts to push herself back into the corner away from all of you. Yeah, and I start making my way down to the factory floor to get some crystals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I follow close behind. Let's go. As you're heading down the stairs, uh, Kitty, Philip is like grabbing onto your shoulder and he's saying, my, my God, Kitty, I, 
I can't believe I just saw you do that. I think I don't say anything. I think I kind of am looking forward and eyes on the prize. Sure. Aha! Dark kitty! If you're right behind me, maybe I, like, grab your hand and just go, that's my girl. Oh, I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what's going on, killer? (laughs) Yeah, killer kitty. Which is what they call you at the (laughs) motorcycle club. (laughs) Um, As you you all sprint down the stairs, as you get towards the bottom, and I assume you're heading into the factory floor, you hear the sound of sirens start to kick in and uh, the lights start flashing red. You can see that there's like a big red klaxon that's right mounted above the now shattered and smoking supervisor room up above and uh, an intercom voice that is Angela's breathy gasp says, Evacuate the facility. The three people who are working this line uh, stop at their posts and they look frantically at each other and then they see the six of you coming in wielding guns, dripping purple ooze, uh, and they make a beeline for the other door because you are above their pay grade. (laughs) May I please snoop? I wish you would. Mind. Okay, so that's a 10. Nice. What happens on a 10? I don't know your playbook because it's so new to everyone. When you keep an eye out for trouble, roll with mind, 10 plus, hold three. So my first question is... What is my best way in or out? And I'd like to say by my best way in or out, can I like spin that to what is my best way into like where the crystals are? Yeah, I feel like there there are crystals like you can access crystals now. Okay, so then maybe instead, like what is my best way to like get them and go? I think that's a great question. So the, the crates are heavy. They're bigger than the ones that you saw um, Arthur Cho have at the distillery. Um, it looks like they sort of get packed into like big, it's not even a crate, it's like um, like a tote. Like it's where they dump three crates worth of crystals into one big thing. So taking one of those should be plenty of crystals for Charlie, but it's humongous and it's heavy. There is the forklift next to it, which the driver has readily abandoned. You'd have to go and take a look and see if the keys are still there, but that's an option for you. And uh, as for out, you'd have to imagine that uh, wherever they went to is going to be wherever employees are meant to congregate in the event of an evacuation. So no one seems to be going back through the fire door that you came in. Although you suspect that slime Slimer from Ghostbusters is maybe still kicking around. Um, but that seems to be like the least occupied exit to the place. Okay, I have two more questions. Who or what here is not what they seem? You head over to the other, because this is like one room of like a, of a production series, right? And you head over to the little flaps that lead to the next room on the conveyor belt and you sort of pull them aside and peek through. And you can see that there is a second room here um, that looks like where the crystals are uh, assembled. There are like large stations where people have like what look like electrical like equipment, like construction equipment. There's a machine that's like producing someone's left on still that's like making metal sheets that are being like shapes are being cut out of them, like blueprints on this conveyor line. And over here, it looks like humans have fled as well. But you definitely see a second uh, sort of foreman of slime supervisor slimeman at my job um who is uh not leaving the facility yet in fact it looks like he's doing a sweep of this room and he's like looking under the conveyor belts and he's making a slow general progress that will eventually bring him back into the first room okay and my last question which you may have just answered is what here is the greatest danger to me uh i would say 
that guy or like <laughs> leaving Angela alive. <laughs> she she you can see that um, through like the cracked glass. Um, she is moving slowly, but the chair is moving. She's she's not just gonna like sit there. She's going somewhere to do something, and she's you know unless you do something about it, going to live to tell the tale of exactly what happened to her at this facility tonight. So I'd say between Angela and Slimebro 2, you've got some work to do. Do we know if we need refined or unrefined crystals to get the powers back? We didn't say either way, but Charlie didn't like... We gave her an unrefined crystal, and she was like, this will work. Yeah, presumably Charlie doesn't know what's happening here, because how could she... I would like to get a refined crystal and also get one of those things from the other room as well. How are you going to avoid the gaze of, um, I want better names, Gooigi? I guess, is there something like, can I just like do a stealth roll? I don't have any like sneaky moves or anything. Keeping your cool would be like the general catch-all move for this. So I'm gonna keep my cool and try and sneak past this guy. Oof, okay, seven. Tell the MC the situation you want to avoid and roll with spirit. On a seven to nine, the MC will tell you what it's going to cost you. I think the situation you want to avoid is being seen by this guy. Yeah, or drawing our attention. He's making like very long laps and you can sort of, um, if you've ever played Ocarina of Time when you're trying to sneak into uh, Princess Zelda's garden at the castle, nerd shit. Um, I think it's like there's like a loop that he's making around the perimeter of the room. And you see an opportunity, Kitty. You can go in there and and stay behind him and snoop around. But it means you won't be able to get back out of that door for like another five-ish minutes as he's going to be facing his cone, his stealth guard video game cone, will be facing that way. So you'll be trapped in here with him for a minute. I'm going to relay like the information you gave us for the question I asked about getting in and out to Susan really quickly. And then I'm going to do that. Okay. Kitty ducks into the next room. Um, are you guys doing anything cool or fun while she does that? There are raw crystals here if you want to start like figuring out an escape thing, like what's going on. Oh yeah, that's why we came. Roman wants to trust in her sister and not just baby her. It is very hard for me, but I will start getting a crate of crystals and loading it into the pickup. Into the pickup? Yeah, like I'm going to grab a crate and leave and like come back after. But Okay. That is going to be, if you're just like grabbing it and walking it and leaving, it's going to be like, you can totally do that. It'll be several minutes to like walk this large cumbersome thing out to the parking lot, put it in the truck and come back. Like for sure. Just so you're aware. Yeah. I think um, like the way Roman sees it is like, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. One thing I can do to make this an easier streamlined process is like, make sure we are doing the thing we came here for. And just, yeah, I'm not good at it, but trust my colleagues to get shit done. Roman, you grab one of these uh, crates, these totes, and you're like, oh, fuck me. This is actually quite, quite heavy. And you are trying to sort of not, you know, betray it too much and just sort of walk it towards the door when uh, a hand reaches out and grabs the other half of it for you. It's Philippinakis who is holding onto the other part of this crate. And uh, he looks over at her, at you, Roman, and he's sort of, um, he's sort of grimacing and he says, um, Roman, I don't think she's ever lied to me before. Is this the first time you've seen her use a gun? True, yeah, this is the first time for me too. Um, I don't think that she meant to lie to you. We're just, we're in a tough spot, all of us. I, I never knew she was so, so tough. 
until I saw it for myself. We're, we're both very lucky to have her in our lives. Yeah, I agree. We, we really, really are. Um, but as you do around the corner of like the long side of this uh, building, as you're carrying this tote, you can see Roman and Philip. I don't know why I'm talking to Philip, like it's not just me, that some of the trucks uh, have been pulled away from the loading bay and they have people in them. And one of them is starting to make a loop out towards the front of the building to leave the facility. And so you stop and thankfully this truck driver doesn't see you. I mean, he's obviously not really looking for people to be poking around the corners of the building, but at least one of the trucks is making its way out. And as you make your way closer to the pickup, you can see that in front of the building, underneath one of the street lamps, is like a cluster of the nine or ten employees still working here. So you are going to have to cross like a big open section of parking lot to get to the truck without them seeing you or figuring out how to not have them see you, if you care about that. Yeah, I would like to do something about that. Um, I'm going to use Glamours, which is... Oh, I don't think you've used that yet. I haven't. You create... Um, what is it? You create illusions to fool the senses. The effects don't last long. Yeah, that would definitely cover like a little walkover. What's the illusion? I want to say very uh, faily. They're like <laughs> a bunch of giraffes come out of the tree line <laughs> on the other end. This is your plan. <laughs> this is your plan to avoid attention on the other side so that they turn around and look at it and, and go into the woods. They're like, are those fucking giraffes? <laughs> Like Yodorovskis do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the chain link fence, as though suddenly they've been transported to like a, a safari preserve in sub Saharan Africa, these employees gasp and start pointing the complete opposite direction from you and Philip as they see like very distant, low res giraffes that Roman's magic is creating that um, march and slowly round the corner of the building. And then, of course, the illusion fades. Several of the employees start uh, stepping and walking over towards to look around the corner and see where the giraffes went as the two of you uh, head over and uh, set a large tote of crystals in the back seat of the pickup truck. Uh, I think we'll jump over to Kitty, unless anyone has like an urgent doctor's note. So I think what I'd like to do is use my spindly little uh, fingers to help kind of move all of the... Uh, crystals around and, and, and just use my giant demon-like form to aid my companions. So you, uh, with your demon strength, start packing in more crystals. Kitty, uh, in the second room, you have kind of crept in Kitty Anakis, international spy, woman of mystery, crept into this other room and uh, slunk over to one of these, like, I guess workstations is sort of what they seem to be to you. And um, it takes a little minute to sort of like get and stand up. Luckily, they have these sort of like high walls and there's just like a slit to grab pieces from the conveyor belt. So I think you can poke around here relatively safely without uh, uh, blobby gentry uh, taking a look at you. How is that one? He's a country singer. Just like. I didn't get it either. Who's the famous Bobby? Blobby or. Bobby or. Blobby or. <laughs> or is good. Keep it Canadian. Keep it like of the era. You you sneak into one of these stations and you see that a worker would take uh, like a, a bundle of polished crystals from off this conveyor belt and they would take a sort of um, kit of corrugated metal that has been like die cut and snapped out of a frame um, and they would slot it in and start assembling what looks to be an ordinary household radio. 
And in the back of the radio, there is a compartment where you would might expect a battery to sit, except instead of a battery, you can see it is the length and depth of one of these long white crystals. Yeah, I snag that. The radio? Fuck radio. I'm gonna snag the radio, yeah. Sure, there's one that's like two thirds built when the alarm went off and the person left. What are you going to do now, Katie? Bide my time for that guy to leave and then run out with everyone else because I think we have everything we need. If we have enough of the unrefined crystals, we get one of the refined crystals in this radio. Should be good. Okay. Katie, you jam these things into your purse or whatever and you wait, uh, you bide your time and wait for the guy to loop around that you can dart out again. Back in room A, uh, Susan and uh, Hazel are helping Knox load up another thing of crystals to walk out. Uh, Roman and Philip still haven't come back from their first trip, but you're hoping it's going well. Um, when the door that all of the evacuees left from opens again, and uh, it is Angela Whitcomb. She has made her way down to the first floor and she sees all of you just standing there. And she says, look, you got what you wanted. I think we have the same idea about what comes next, in fact. She's retrieved the weird walkie-talkie thing that fell under the table. Maybe she got one of her blob men to hand it to her. And she is uh, adjusting some knobs on it as she wheels over to one of the stations that the people were working at. And she says, um, I'd say you have about uh, a minute to clear the place. Sound good? You got it. Great. And along the conveyor line, small red lights blink on and start pulsing in rhythm to the klaxon that is uh, blasting overhead. Um, This place is now like a a hellscape of like flickering red light and sound because it wants you to leave. Angela starts wheeling back towards the door and she says, 50 seconds now. Thank you. Kitty, it's still gonna be about another two minutes before the guy, like the mindless, brainless Goo Radley starts wrapping around the back part of the room. You don't know, you probably couldn't hear this conversation with Angela, so, Susan, what do you intend to do about Kitty? I would love to, like, shoot the blob dude to, like, get his attention so that I can yell and scream and be like, Kitty, it's now or never. Let's go. Uh, you want to unleash an attack on blob dude? Sure. You want to kick the fucking door in and be like, it swings, but it's still cool. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I roll a six. Oh, that's rough. Oh, sweet Susan. Mm. <laughs> this is probably Susan's worst day. It's not. It's not going great. Um, but oh. you're surrounded by friends, so live, laugh, love. Um, you might not do any in a minute. <laughs> you uh, burst through this door, and you have your gun trained on where you thought you saw the slime man uh, a moment ago, making his slow, lumbering way around, but. When you burst in and and aim the gun, there's no one there. The room looks totally empty. And you hear Kitty call out, but before you can turn and answer her um, from behind you, the slime forms, the man is revealed, and he grabs you bodily and slams you onto the conveyor belt. You're going to take just one harm from the slam, and he is going to uh, place a slimy mitt over your face and start filling you with some slime energy. So gross. Kitty, 45 seconds on the clock. Susan's getting slime time prime live. I'm trying to try and unleash an attack on this slime monster. 
and I'm hoping to take something from him, buy something. I mean, Susan. <laughs> the old Knox play. That's a five. Okay. All right. It's good. Kitty, you pop over the, the edge of this like workstation where you've been crouched. Are you using regular gun or, or fire gun? Yeah, I used regular gun. Okay. It sort of pings the top of his head and his head like wavers and blubbers, but like you can see it pass through and sort of like slowly, you know, gooily splatter to the floor, the bullet harmless. And he is going to, uh, with his other hand, the hand that's not pressing Susan down on the uh, conveyor belt, he is going to sort of like lob a glob of himself over the conveyor belt at you, Kitty, and it's going to hit you square in the face. You are going to take one harm as this goo is plastering your face and starting to like congeal the instant it touches your warm skin. And maybe you give like a muffled gargle scream as you rear backwards. Cool. We got two in the goo trap. Yeah. Can I trick it into thinking I'm dead? I think you can try that. I'm kind of hoping that's going to give me an opportunity to escape. Are you suggesting a mislead, distract, or trick roll? Yes. Do you want different dice to roll with, my love? Nope, that's a five. Help us. (laughs) Whoa. What do you think happens, Jillian, at this point? I, I imagine it drowns me in goo. Do you die? Are you yeah. dead? Yeah, you're dead. That's you know, it. I can avoid, you can avoid harm by taking a scar, which is, I think is what's going to happen Ooh, here. slime scar. Because that'll be five harm for Susan, who does not take a day off. So, yeah, I don't know how that helps me get out, but that's going to help me skirt death. Oh, <sighs> This is challenging. We're having a challenging day here. Yeah, Susan, this thing floods slime into your body at a bad, bad rate. It's not a good way to go. It's not a cute look. No. You're going to take an additional harm, and that puts you at the old... Ivorino. So you want to take a scar to ignore that one harm? I do. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) I didn't think this is we were going to get here, uh, and definitely not today. So you have four scars available. They are shattered, crushed, fractured, and broken, and each one um, will represent a permanent minus one to one of your uh, stats. Yeah, I was going to take fractured and do that to mind. Fractured means confused, disoriented, and disjointed. Fractured characters are unstable and unsure, and their attempts to figure someone out or mislead, distract, or trick others are unfocused and imprecise. Kitty, I wonder what you're going to try to do to help Susan now as this, like, goo is on your face. Um, we've got about 30 seconds on the clock before the place blows. Yeah. What's, what are we thinking here? It's moving with me. Like, I can't, like, literally, like, run for it, can I? You could run. Like, it, it launched a piece of itself at you, but not the whole thing. You're still, like... Oh, okay. Now I'm going to take another shot. Okay. That's better. Already better. That's a 10. I did a 10. Ooh, hey, what if we had a good roll today on urbanshadows.com? Yeah, so I want to get Susan free. Sure. Uh, How much, you've got that regular gun? That regular gun. You're also having a pretty rough day and a pretty dark kitty day, um, having shot a woman in the hand a few minutes ago. Um, I think with like one, you know, the regret of one forever ruined nice manicure, you scrape 
uh, <laughs> clear like a visor of slime off your face so that you can squint through your like glued together eyelashes and take a look at this thing. And you, uh, with a surprisingly steady hand, I think practice makes perfect after all, you're expecting the recoil this time as you shoot again, uh, this time aiming, you know, hopefully towards whatever thing this thing has that passes for a vital organ. And I don't think it does a ton of harm still. I think this is still like a big blubbery monster, but this one definitely gets its attention. Um, Susan, with a rush of air, you start coughing and sputtering as this thing's hand flies off your face as it turns and starts to lumber towards Kitty Yanakis. You are in, like, I think an intense fatigue and confusion as like your oxygen supply has been interrupted for a little bit. You like kind of drowned in slime today. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> So that's challenging. That's challenging to have them here on the show. Um, and uh, you you know you've got maybe 25 seconds as this thing is now lumbering towards Kitty uh, as you stagger up off of the conveyor belt, which was about to maybe also like James Bond, like turn you into a radio if you had stayed on there too long. Door? Door leaving. Finding a door. Kitty? Door. Door. You burst through the door and you see Hazel just running back in. She's been helping Knox carry the second shipment out and she rushes back into the room because she hasn't seen the two of you leave yet. And she sees you stagger through the door, coughing up purple goo. And she runs up and I think she like physically supports you as you collapse a little bit. What do you like wheeze to her in this moment? She was there when Angela said you have X many seconds. Yeah, Angela said that. Knox and Hazel made a beeline to get their last shipment out and... um they assumed you were going to follow them once Kitty was done. And when mm. that didn't happen, Hazel immediately turned as Knox was still carrying the box to head back inside. I think I just try and brush her off and then kind of vaguely point back towards the other room and just say, Kitty. She uh, she half kind of like lets you go and half shoves you towards the door. You stagger out into the refreshing night air, even though as dusty and rubbery and industrial as it is, it's a lot better than the alternative. I think you might be a little bit sick in the grass by the chain link fence. Oh, yeah. And then you straighten up. Susan Starling, you reach for your gun. You adjust your very fucked up dark berry lip <laughs> and you start staggering around the corner towards your friends. Kitty, this thing is uh, running at you again with the surprising gooey speed that you didn't know it had. You're probably like clawing it off your nose and mouth. You've taken the harm already, but this thing is, is between you and the door. Uh, what are you going to do? going to set fire to the machine with my fire pistol and then go. I'm going to just try and escape the situation. Okay, just like blind shot at electronic machines, get it to light the fuck up, uh, and then you can roll with blood to escape the situation. Six. Oh, that's not very good. Okay, so you, you pull out the fireball gun and you launch it, you launch a flaming bullet right at this like console, these like tools and everything. Um, and it just goes up in flames and totally lights up and you stagger back as this like roiling uh, wall of heat pours over you. Can I lend a hand by means of sending Hazel in? Yeah, I think that's fair. You're gonna, she's gonna be there in a second. Um, do you yeah. want to roll with Kitty's faction, which is mortality, to lend a hand? Mm. <laughs> if I don't roll a 10, I'm fucked. So actually I might not. I'm sorry. Cool, cool, cool. Even on a seven to nine, you expose yourself to danger, entanglement, or cost. Well, it might be a cost to Hazel. Yeah. 
You ruthless killer. You. Bad HR rep, Susan Starling. That's an eight. Okay. Yeah, you're supposed to have to danger entanglement cost. So you, you light this thing on fire. As you saw earlier, these guys can't handle extreme heat conditions well, right? Because they are sort of made of um, Olivia Guten John. That's awful. I like that one. I like yeah. that one, actually. Yeah. yeah, okay. Augustus Goop. Oh, just Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop headquarters. That's good. This That's is where good. they make that website. Those crystals are for putting. Um, <laughs> Never mind. No. Yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> Never mind. Anywho. Um, um, uh, so as this fire like erupts a few feet from this thing, as it's uh, lumbering towards you, it immediately starts to uh, lose the stability of its structure. It starts to kind of melt before your eyes like a He-Man you put in the microwave to piss off your older brother when you were eight. Or something. <laughs> Um, and it's still making its way towards you, but it's a lot less lumbering. It's a lot shorter and it's a lot more like kind of the liquid thing that attacked Knox earlier, which is when uh, Hazel, shoved by Susan as her like delegate, runs into the room. Hazel pulls out her gun and she is about to like shoot where she thinks this big lumbering guy is. And then it's not there. And she says, where is it? And she notices the puddle on the floor. She raises her gun and she's like, can you shoot a puddle? Can one shoot a puddle? But she she goes for it anyway, and she uh, sends a shot that like cracks the concrete floor of this production facility from her gun. Then the uh, liquid starts racing towards her and starts pooling up at her feet. She says, Kitty, no time, get out now, 20 seconds. I run, run for it. Hazel runs behind you, but her gait is slowed. Did Kitty pick two? No, Kitty didn't do that yet. Okay. So you've you got a plus one that brought you up to a seven. So yeah. you're going to pick two consequences from escaping a situation. Sorry. Thank you, Jillian. Yeah, I owe Hazel a debt. And I think I'm going to mark corruption. Because I think today was a pretty corrupting day for Kitty. As you head through the exit that and like follow Susan's gooey tracks, you see her just standing up after retching in the grass. I imagine at this point you probably see Knox and or Philip and Roman making their way back. Um, since they weren't there when the alarm went off and they're wondering where all you guys are. They're just assuming they're going to get more crystals. So Kitty and Susan, uh, you see the other three uh, heading back around the corner towards this fire escape door. Um, Hazel still hasn't made it out yet. You would say maybe 15 seconds? Um, I'm going to say as I'm running in, I'm going to yell at Knox and Roman. Hazel's still in there. So I'm just going to throw that ball into their court. Fine, okay, gonna go in, fuck it. Yeah, I guess forklift mode engage. What What do you want to do? Well, she didn't give us information, so we go back in and see what. You see uh, a familiar sight of Hazel, you know, Knox, just as you were a few minutes ago, kind of up to her waist, up to her ribs in slime. It's, um, it's toppled her over because she's been trying to run through it. And now she's sort of crawling across the floor towards the door as slime is like, melting its way up her body it's again not a cute summer look i would say this episode has almost no cute summer looks in it no iliana took them all with her <laughs> get the fuck out collection Stop, bitch. nox you should roll to keep your cool to uh swoop in and do like a an aerial maneuver i think is how we usually rule it actually um i'm gonna ask you to escape a situation because i think that's more precise off of what that's off of blood oh 11 baby Okay. 
On a 10 plus, you're gonna choose one consequence, which is either suffering harm, ending up in another dangerous situation, leaving something important behind, owing someone a debt, or marking corruption. Oh, <laughs> mark corruption, fuck yeah. Yeah, no reason to stop now, right? <laughs> um, I think you you are now, it's like the fifth time you've done this, so I think you're an absolute Tony Hawk pro at like swooping in, you know, uh, flying into a situation, grabbing a, a damsel or manzel. I guess the damsel can be anyone. And that's feminism. Um, and swooping out. So, I mean, this is the perfect, like, Knox action movie hero scenario. An exploding building, 10 seconds on the big clock. Um, you dive in, you uh, barely even have to grab it, Hazel, because she's so fucking sticky. She just sticks to your body. It's almost like you just, like, slap onto her. <laughs> and she's like stuck a- on you, you know? Uh-huh. You uh, launch yourself out the door. I think... Um, you guys need to put some like immediate distance between yourselves and like the actual building. Like you're in sort of like that alley behind it. Are you gonna like head past the fence into like the neighboring lot? Are you going to head over to the parking lot? What do you think? Get in the car and go. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like start the engines. I think local cool hero Philip Yanakis um, has managed finally after three annoying terrifying false starts to ignite the engine of this shitty old pickup truck and as uh, Knox you're like dragging sticky hazel butter toffee out of the building Susan you're like walking you know half dizzy half but to fall over being supported by Kitty uh, Roman your pockets of your like jacket stuffed with any other crystals you could grab on your way out you all round the corner in time to see Philip um, screech inelegantly to a halt against the side of the building. No time to open the door, just get in the fucking flatbed of the truck. Just get in, there's no time! This whole place is gonna blow! Okay, that's great. Yeah, you pile in. You pile in. At this point, the um, the employees obviously can see what's going on. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, well, I was, it's my line. Um, and, uh, uh, another like foreman is like gooping slowly towards you, but Philip floors the gas, and you guys, with a horrible like screech, the smell of burnt rubber and skid marks in the empty parking lot, bust through the arm of the security guard's thing. Susan's bike, unfortunately, uh, not making it out. And as you uh, speed down this country road with a flatbed pickup truck full of dangerous, mysterious crystals with a bizarre radio tucked in Kitty's bag, the place behind you lights up like fireworks on Lakeshore Day or something. The whole place blows. The employees are far enough in the far corner of the parking lot that they're outside of the safe radius, maybe? I don't know how careful a demolitions expert Angela Whitcomb is, um, but frankly, it's none of your concern at this point because you're all in one piece, you've all made it out of the facility, and you've got a bucket full of crystals to prove it. You speed your way back downtown, counting your blessings, holding on to each other, and living to fight another day. Thanks for listening to Lakeshore. We'll be back on October 13th. By the way, if you're enjoying Lakeshore, we would really appreciate it if you could help spread the word and tell a person or two about the show. We put a ton of work into writing, recording, editing, and transcribing Lakeshore, and as we approach the end of the campaign, we're quite proud of our efforts and we really hope more people continue to find many realms. Okay, that's all for me. Love you. Bye.